Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. Y'all join with me as I pray. Father, as we come to this time this morning, when we break your word and share it, I pray, Father, for your messenger, that you would speak through him truth. For you know him intimately. And you know what he needs this day. Be with the congregation that receives these words. For you know them intimately. And you know what they need to hear. We give you this time for you to glorify yourself. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. These past several months, we've been looking at 1 Peter. We've been looking at it under the heading, Timeless Truths and Troubling Times. And by now you know that we live in troubling times. Even this past week, we've seen troubling times. Difficulties that exist in our country, difficulties that, exist, difficulties that exist in our community, difficulties that exist within the church. We live in troubling times. Peter wrote the, uh, his letter, his first letter to a group of people that were living in troubling times. They were going through some difficulties and they were being persecuted for their faith. They were having to suffer for the cause of Christ. They did not live in comfort. They did not live in a time of convenience. They lived in a time where if they profess faith in Christ, they may be killed. They may be ridiculed. They may face persecution. But nevertheless, Peter writes them. Last week we looked at how we go through that, how we can silence the critics and Peter ended that, that particular section with these words, if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. And in today's passage, he writes this, to this you were called. Did you hear that? You were called to suffer. You were called to endure difficulty. You were called to go through hard times. Now, if you're like me, you're probably saying, wait a minute, that's not what I signed up for. You're probably wanting to turn in your Christian card right now and say, I didn't sign up for that. I signed up for a time of ease. I signed up for a time of comfort. I signed up for a time of taking it easy. Not according to Peter. Not according to our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. But I want you to know you're in good company. Because just as you suffer, guess what? Jesus suffered. 
and he endured. And I'm hoping this morning we're going to look at the suffering of Jesus. And I hope is that you look at the suffering of Jesus, you will come out on the end of your own suffering and recognize what's happening in the world and what's happening in you and how you can stand up in the midst of troubling times. This morning we look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25, under the heading, Jesus went to the tree for me. You follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read 1 Peter Chapter 2, 21 through 25. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Three things I'm seeing as we talk about this in this passage. First thing, Jesus went to the tree for me. Look at what it says in verse 22. He says, he committed no sin. Jesus was sinless. This is one of the main tenets of the Christian faith, is that we have a sinless Savior. Everyone knew he was sinless. The enemies knew that he was sinless. Judas himself said, I have betrayed an innocent man. I have betrayed an innocent man. Pilate himself, in the midst of the trial, he said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Pilate's wife, when she heard about Jesus going before him, she said this, don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. Listen, when Jesus went to the cross, when Jesus suffered on the cross, he was not dying for any sin that he had committed. The Bible says that he was tempted in every way that we are tempted, but without sin. But not only does it say that they were, he committed on sin, look at verse uh, 22 again. It says, and no deceit was found in his mouth. In other words, there was no deception in Jesus. Jesus didn't deceive people. He spoke the truth. And the truth radiated from him. There was no deception in him. In other words, he was who he said he was. He did not try to deceive people. Then look at verse 23. It says, when they hurled the insults at him... He did not retaliate. This explains his suffering. It explains what, what he went through, that they hurled the insults at him, but he did not retaliate with those individuals did such a thing. Listen, when Jesus lived up on this earth, he did not live in a vacuum. He did not live in a bubble. He did not live in some monastery, in some cathedral, some way, isolated from humanity, isolated from the trials, up isolated from the tribulation, isolated from the temptations. He lived right smack dab in the middle of it all. Everywhere he went, it was there. He lived in the real world, just like you and I live in the real world. Frame between the time we're born to the time we die, we live within the real world world. Yet, it says that he was sinless 
and that he did not return the abuse when the people abused him. That's not easy to do, is it? Are you listening? That's not easy to do. This is one of the things that destroys most relationships. When people hurl an insult or people are angry with you, we turn around and we hurl insults and we become angry with them. We want to get even with those individuals. And because of that, we destroy relationships. We can't sit down and talk across a table without getting angry with one another. Think about everything they poured out on Jesus on that day. Think of the verbal abuse that Jesus took. If you're the Son of God, why don't you come down and save yourself? If you're the Son of God. Think of the insults they hurled at him, the criticism they hurled at him, the abuse that they hurled at him. They said everything imaginable. And they spat upon him. And they cursed him. And they called him vile names. Can't you imagine what Jesus could have said in reply? <laughs> Think of what he said. He said, you're going to get yours. I'm going to call 10,000 angels. And they're going to strike you with lightning. And they're going to throw thunderbolts at you. And they're going to vaporize you. You're going to get yours. He could have said that. But he chose not to. Why? Why did he endure the abuse? Look at verse 23. We'll read it all. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. The word entrusted himself is a, is a word that means continually entrusted. It was a, had a point and beginning, but it has no end. He continually entrusted himself. He delivered himself up to God. He delivered himself up to the one who could take care of him. He delivered himself up to the one that, that could secure him. Jesus was able to become sin for you and me because he had already entrusted himself to his Father. And that's why he could endure it. That's why he could, he could, that's why he could live up to it. That's why he could become sin, our sin. It's because he had already given himself over to the Father who he knew would judge rightly. He knew that. So Jesus entrusted himself. That's why we can endure suffering. That's why we can endure abuse. Because we have already entrusted ourselves to the one who judges freely. We can do it. Jesus went to the tree for my sins. Second, Jesus went to the tree as my sacrifice. The Bible says he was sinless, but also that his death was sacrificial. The Bible is clear that when Jesus was dying on the cross, he was not dying for himself. He was dying for someone else. He was dying in the place of another individual, or in this case, for all individuals. Now, many people have a problem with this idea of Jesus being a sacrifice. That great theologian, Bill Maher, <laughs> uh, that comedian Bill Maher, he says he hates this. He says, I don't need anyone to die for me. I don't need anyone to die for me. And that is the cry that echoes from the world. We don't need anyone to die for us. We can do it ourselves. We can do it on our own. 
Let me tell you something. If an individual refuses to allow Jesus Christ to die for them, they will go to hell. There is no other place that they can go unless they have Jesus in their life. The Bible teaches that sin must be paid for. Sin must be punished. Verse 21, look at what it says. To this you will call because Christ suffered for you. Now Jesus died for all people. What I love what Peter says. He said, but he died for you. Do you know that Jesus died for you personally? Do you know that? I love it that he died for everyone. Amen. But I, I really like it the way Peter brings it down. I said, I want you to know that he died personally for you as well. Not just for a group of individuals, but out of that group of individuals, he died for you individually. Verse 24 is packed with significance. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Notice that the offering that was made there, it was a living offering, a living sacrifice. This comes from the Old Testament. This is the way it would happen in the Old Testament. The high priest would take a lamb and he would lay his hands upon that lamb and put his sins upon the lamb and he'd put the sins of the people, metaphorically put the sins of the people in the lamb. Then he'd slit that lamb's throat and drain the blood. Then he'd place that lamb upon the altar of sacrifice and that lamb would become the altar of upon the altar of sacrifice would become the the payment for the sins of the people. That's the way it happened in the Old Testament. But here what we see, we got to notice what Jesus did. It said He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. He did it. He bore our sins. Jesus offered Himself upon the altar. I think the way it was vividly betrayed to me years ago when Mel Gibson put out The Passion of the Christ and it comes to that, that tremendous crucifixion scene. It says that Jesus is laid to the side of the cross and they're laying the cross down that Jesus wearily picks himself up and lays himself down on the cross. He willingly did it. No one made him go to the cross. He chose to go to the cross. And he offered himself up on the altar. But listen, when Jesus offered himself up on the altar, it was not a dead animal. It was a living being. And our sins were laid upon Jesus, and he bore our sins on his own body. He who was without sin, and yet when Jesus died on the cross, he bore in his own body all of our sins. Our, our bodies are marked by sin. Our bodies are scarred by sin. We live with the ramifications and we live with the results of the consequences of the simple choices that we make in our life. Jesus who was perfect, Jesus who was not marred by sin, Jesus who bore, who had no sin, he carried, he carried all the scars from our sins. He was bloodied, he was beaten, and he was bruised because he's bearing our sins upon the cross. He did it. So that we wouldn't have to. And that cross became the altar. It became the altar upon which Jesus died. And he did it willingly. Willingly. It's up on what cross 
where Jesus died, where God brought all of the sins of the whole world and He laid them upon the innocent Lamb of God. And He bore the price. And upon Jesus, the Bible says, He laid the iniquity of us all. He did it. You have to understand what happened on that cross. And the reason He suffered the way He did. Because He was paying the price for your sins. He's paying the price for my sins. This is the gospel that I preach. We sang a beautiful song a while ago. What a day that would be. Oh my Jesus, I will see I have two daughters that will not be there. But guess what? There's people that live all around us. They won't be there. And while we're comfortable, while we're comfortable in saying, I want what I want. Feed me, preacher. Make me happy. Jesus Christ died for those who we have not reached yet. But it's okay. We can play church while everybody else goes to hell. But when I look at this, He paid the price for their sins as well as my sins. But guess what? I'm going to heaven. I know my eternal security is secure. And I guarantee you, everybody in here knows their eternal security is secure. What about those that aren't here? What about those who have never heard? You know, Jesus loved them so much that He not only bore our sins, He bore their sins. Upon the cross. It's not satisfactory to modern people. They don't want to hear that. They will have preacher make me feel good. Preacher satisfy my itch. We want people to give us some good advice. Uh, we want to give you a little therapy. Uh, we just want to you know, Jesus just wants you to be happy. Just happy. Can I tell you that it's not about your happiness? It's about your holiness. It's about your holiness. If Jesus came to make us happy, then I missed that boat somewhere. But if He came to make me holy, I'm praying that every day He's transforming me more and more into the image of Christ. People don't want to hear that. Give them a little therapy, give them a little psychological analysis, help them be happy, that will solve their problem. But here we see that our sin has to be dealt with. It has to be dealt with. And the sins have been paid for by Jesus Christ. It says Jesus in His own body bore our sins on the tree. Notice the outcome of this. Look at verse 24. Let me read it in context again so we can see the whole thing. He Himself, Jesus Himself, bore our sins in His body on the tree so that, there's the reason, 
There's that phrase, so that. This is the reason he did that. So that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. This is what he's saying. He's saying that when we come to Jesus, we are dead from our sins. But when we, come to, when we receive Jesus, we are dead to our sins. You get that? When we come to Christ, we are dead from our sins. There is no life in us. We are death. We are dead. But when we come to Jesus, he makes us alive again in him. So we are alive. We are free from our sins. That's what he's trying to tell us in that verse. Listen, the difference between a saved person and a lost person is a lost person does not have a choice. They have to sin. They have to satisfy that nature within them. They have to satisfy. They are like a puppet. And sin is manipulating their lives. They, they're, doing, they're doing what you're doing because they are a sinner. It's in your nature. Sin is in control of your life. But when you come to Jesus, Peter says that you've been freed from sin's power. What's he meaning by that? He's not, he's not meaning that we're, we're free from sin. He's meaning that you're, sin, you're free from sin having control in your life, meaning that you can choose not to sin. You've been given a choice. You can choose not to sin and instead live for righteousness. Whereas before, you didn't have that option. You didn't have that, that capability. And I know what some people say. I would become a Christian if I thought I could live the Christian life, if I just thought I could live that way, I would come to Christ. Here's the thing, you can't do it. I can't do it. But it's only as Jesus comes into your heart and he puts the Holy Spirit in you, then he enables you to live a life full of righteousness. If we could do it in our own power, if we could do it in our own strength, we would not have needed Jesus. But we can't do it. We can't do it. Notice what Peter says in the last part of verse 24. By his wounds you have been healed. Notice, it's his wounds, but we're the ones that are healed. It's his wounds that, were, that he received, but it's us who receives the healing. How would you like that? How would you like to go into, have somebody else go into the hospital and take all the surgery for you, but you get healed because of it? That's what he's talking about here. Jesus brought the healing. He's not talking about physical healing here. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about you're healed from the sin disease. Our great physician, our Lord, our Savior, he reaches into our heart. And he purifies the sin, the bad that's in us and makes us whole. Notice how personal it becomes. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live and rise. By his wounds you have been healed. Look at the verse 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you. He did it all for you. Let me ask you a question. Is the sacrifice of Jesus personal to you? Is it personal to you? One more truth in this passage. Jesus went to the tree to be my shepherd. Look at verse 25. For you are like sheep going astray. 
But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Isaiah chapter 53 forms the background for this. Isaiah 53, 6 says this, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. The Bible says that, that we are like sheep. Now, don't get the wrong impression. That's not a compliment, okay? You know, we've, oh, look, he's comparing the sheep. Oh, they're little white, fluffy little things. Oh, they're so cute. That's not what he's talking about, okay? Uh, he's saying the sheep are dumb. <laughs> they're, they're stupid. And one of the main characteristics about sheep is that they are prone to stray away. They're prone to wonder. They're prone to, to go off. You know, they don't hear well. They don't see well. And they don't know what lies ahead. So they just kind of, bah, bah, wander around. I'm bad, I'm bad. No, they don't say that. And they wander around doing all this. Isn't that a picture of people today? <laughs> people just wander. They wander. They stray away. You know, uh, the, uh, they have this need within them. They, have this, uh, they, they want this peace within them. Instead, they suffer from guilt and, and they suffer from pain. People wander from job to job. They wander from relationship to relationship, uh, community to community. Uh, they, they wander from this to that. Everything looking to satisfy a need, looking to satisfy an itch, and they wander and they stray away, not really knowing what they're looking for, but they just want to find some way to satisfy that desire down deep inside of them. They want that need met. They want to have peace. They want to be rid of the guilt. They want to be free from the pain that they're experiencing. But they can't do it. And that's what we were like. But now, but now we have returned to the shepherd. And the shepherd has rescued us. God sent his one and only son to be our savior, but also to be the shepherd of the sheep. Here we were lost and going astray. No sense of direction. No sense a purpose. But it says that Jesus died on that tree. Jesus went the tree to be my shepherd, to be your shepherd. A shepherd is responsible to provide for the sheep. I'm so glad that Jesus is my shepherd. He provides for me. He gives food to me. He provides guidance. He provides care. He is the shepherd of my soul and he protects it and he guides it. And he directs it. What does it say in Psalm 23, 1? You know that verse by heart. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. You ever been in the land of want? You ever been there? You know, you know I want this. I want that. I want happiness. I want peace. I want fulfillment. I want satisfaction. I want love. I want, I want comfort. You ever been there? You ever been in the land of wants? But because Jesus is our shepherd, we shall not want. Why? Because he satisfies us. He meets our wants and he satisfies our needs. Not only does it say he's a shepherd, it also says that he's an overseer. The word overseer is the word bishop, by the way. We'll talk about this in a few weeks. But we turn to the shepherd and the bishop or the overseer 
of our souls. A bishop is one who, who, who watches over is one who watches over us, but he also cares for us. He protects us in that situation. A shepherd provides, whereas an overseer protects. He's saying that God is God in the Jesus Christ. He's watching over us. It means that we are not alone. We're not alone. And what we've done is we've come full circle. We are living in troubling times, but because of what Jesus Christ has done upon the cross of Calvary, because He's a shepherd, because He's the overseer of his soul, He's not going to abandon us during the troubling times. He's not going to leave us. He's right there with us every step of the way. Do you really think that Jesus will leave eternity to die on the cross for your sins, then leave you alone? No. He's the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. Peter reminds us of the suffering that Jesus endured on our behalf. Jesus went to the tree for me. He went to the tree for my sins. He went to the tree to be my sacrifice and he went to the tree to be my shepherd. Let me ask you a question. Have you turned your sins over to Jesus and accepted him as a sacrifice for your sins? Have you done that? Because if you have not, everything else I say has no meaning whatsoever. Until you get that one right, everything else does not matter. Because you can't do the other things until you get that one right. In a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. Time for you to respond to what you've heard this morning. Maybe you do need Jesus as Lord of your life. Whatever decision God would have you to make, we're going to invite you to come. Would you stand with me? Kip's going to come and lead us. Cassie's going to come and play. I want to offer up a prayer. Maybe God is speaking to your heart this morning. Heavenly Father, God, I come before your presence. We gather here today, Father, because one of our mission statements, Father, our purpose statement, Father, is to exalt Christ. I pray, Father, that what we've done today as we open up your word, that, God, we have exalted Christ. We've lifted him up in our words that were spoken this morning, in the prayers that were prayed, the songs that were sung, the offerings that were given. But Father, we know it doesn't stop there. Father, this is just the beginning. Father, it's easy to exalt Christ in here, but God, it's much harder to exalt Christ out there. So Father, help us to live for Him during the troubling times. Help us to live for Him, Father, when things don't go the way we think they should. Things don't happen like we wish they would happen. God, help us to live for You and for Jesus. We give You this time, Father, to touch hearts. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.